When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and it is the 104th episode. And also, is it getting, like, should I stop? Should I stop listing what episode number it is? Because I was doing it leading up to the 100th episode because that was a big deal. But now it's just like, what am I proving that I know how to count? Like, is that <laughs> is that my goal? And, you know, if you're a longtime listener, you might recall mm, somewhere around maybe 10 within the last 10 episodes I I can't remember exactly what I said I do remember it was not um it's not my finest moment and I think I may have proved that I'm not like so solid in the counting so is this me like overcompensating to be like look she knows how to count I know I said some really weird shit about counting a few episodes ago but I know how to count okay no anyway um it's the 104th episode. That really means nothing at this point. I guess like up until what, when we get close to like 200, is that the next time we're going to really care? But um, just so you know, when you open up an episode in the show notes at the very bottom, it says what episode number it is. So if I ever refer to like another episode in an episode, like I might be like, oh, go back and listen to blah, blah episode. You can find it there in the show notes. So, okay, we're going to move on from episode numbers. I hope everyone's doing really well. <laughs> God, this is off to a rough start and and we're just going to roll with it. Um so two announcements for people in the Blush Academy. Number 1, there's an entirely new module in the attachment styles course. Um, the module has two new quizzes. One um, gives you a score for where you rank on the anxiety scale. And the other one gives you a score of where you rank on the avoidance scale. Because like we tend to think of attachment styles as like, okay, there are like four attachment styles and they're just like their own things and they're kind of like black and white, but it's really not like that. It's actually like an X, Y axis. And I mean, I guess you can chart it however you want. I personally like to chart it so that anxieties on the x-axis and avoidance is on the y-axis, but it really doesn't matter. It's, it's, it, there are two axes, right? And then depending on where you fall on each of those scales, you're going to fall in one of the four quadrants of the graph, right? Because that's how graphs work, just really taking us back to like very basic algebra. <laughs> I think um, maybe I need to tone it down with the math <laughs> on this podcast because I do recall... Was it last episode where I got like very mathematical with something? Anyway, um, so the four attachment styles fall into the four quadrants of 
that X, Y axis. So if you're high in anxiety and high in avoidance, that's fearful avoidance or disorganized attachment style. If you're low in anxiety and low in avoidance, then you are securely attached. And if you're high in anxiety and low in avoidance, that's anxious attachment. And if you're high in avoidance and low in anxiety, that's dismissive avoidant. So we tend to sometimes think of it as like, one scale, like a, like a two dimensional situation where, or nope, nope, not two dimensional. That's not correct. We think of it as like one axis, right? With like anxiety on one side and avoidance on the other side and secure is in the middle, but that's actually incorrect. It is like a normal X, Y graph. Anyway, so there are two quizzes, each for one for avoidance and one for anxiety, and it gives you a score for each one, and then you graph your score. Like it, it there's a thing where you can literally graph your score and see what quadrant you fall into. And the reason that I love this over kind of a traditional quiz where it just gives you what attachment style you are is you see exactly how anxious you are and exactly how avoidant you are, and then you can retake it. And as you're working through the course, you'll see how things will change. So like, let's say like two weeks ago, you were anxiously attached and today you're still anxiously attached. Like a normal, like, oh, what's your attachment style quiz wouldn't show that to you. But when you take this, you'll be able to see those changes better because you know, you'll see like, oh, even though I'm still anxiously attached, the amount of anxiety that I'm feeling has actually gone down tremendously. So it's a really cool module. Um, you know, if you're enrolled in the academy, definitely check it out. Uh, the second announcement within the academy is the Thanksgiving challenge will be launching soon. It starts the Sunday before Thanksgiving and it ends the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Random trivia that has quite literally nothing to do with this is my very first date with Ozzy was the Sunday after Thanksgiving two years ago, 2020. Um, a lot has happened since then, though. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell that story sometime. Maybe should I tell that on the Thanksgiving episode? Oh my God, what if I could bully him into being on the podcast? I don't think it's gonna happen. He um has he's like really expressed that he's not interested in being on the podcast. He says he's like insecure about his voice, I think. I think that's why he doesn't want to be on it, which like of all reasons, like who loves their voice? You know what I mean? Like, is there anyone out there who's like, no, I actually sound great. Like love what's coming out. Like most people I know have an exceptionally difficult time listening to themselves, myself very much included, only I'm just kind of used to it now because I have the podcast and I have to edit it and I just have to like listen to myself yap 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 constantly so um yeah I am just accustomed to the fact that I hate my voice and I've just decided to be okay with not liking my voice like if only I could channel that energy towards my body right like if I could just be like you know what I hate my body and that's okay I bring other things to the table, but like with my voice, I really just, I literally don't give a shit. Like, do I like it? No. Do I think I sound nasally all the time? That's, that's my issue with my voice. I think I sound, I sound like Fran Drescher. Do you guys remember the nanny? Oh my God. What a moment in time. 
okay. Um, Thanksgiving challenge. It's coming up. It's going to be super fun. There's a ton of like really healthy vegan recipes within it that you don't have to follow. I just want to give you alternatives. Should you want to try something else? Um, there's assignments for each day. So again, from the Sunday before Thanksgiving to the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And, um, there's kind of like what I call extra credit for each day, but basically it just depends on how much you have going on during the week, right? You might only have like a few minutes to get one thing done every day, or you might have all the time in the world and you want to dive deeper. So I want to accommodate both sets of people. There's like an assignment for each day. That's like on the shorter side, like everyone could get it in no matter how, um, busy you are that week. But if you're, you know, wanting more, there's going to be additional stuff. And it's like really like kind of, I don't want to say fun, but no, it's like fun ways to do self-improvement and work on yourself. So I'm, I'm really pumped about it. And again, I know I talked about this last episode and I probably made no sense then. So the fact that I'm just repeating the sentiment, I don't know what it says about me, but I do really feel like when we work on things as a group, as a community, it just, I don't know, can I like sound really cheesy and say like it increases the vibration? No, I'm not going to say that. Um, (laughs) It just, I really do think that there's something to it. It just, it's more fun. You know, other people are going through it with you. There's a bit of like an accountability thing where you're like, okay, like I need to do this because I know other people are doing it. And it's just, I think it, I don't know, whatever it increases the vibration. I can't think of a better word. So let's just roll with that one. Okay. So there's so much I wanted to talk about last week that I didn't. I, you know, exercised a lot of restraint <laughs> because I wanted to get more to more listener questions, but I'm going to get into this stuff this week. So, um, before last episode, so like, I guess it was two weeks ago now I was in Miami and I didn't even get to recap Miami for you guys because I just wanted to get to more questions last week, but, um, Miami was amazing. And one thing in particular that I want to touch on, and I've talked about this before in episode number 96. Um, so there's this thing in astrology called astrocartography, and basically it takes your natal chart and your natal chart. If you don't know, like if you're not like super, super into astrology, your natal chart is kind of a map of what was going on astrologically at the exact moment of your birth. So like most people are familiar with their sun signs, right? Which is the sign that the sun was in at the moment of your birth. But every other planet was also in a sign at the moment of your birth. So the moon was in a specific sign and the moon changes signs like every two and a half days, I want to say. You know, every other planet, I'm not going to list them for you. Obviously, the moon is not a planet, but we still include it. Chiron is also in there, which to my knowledge is not a planet. Um, Pluto is in there and I know its planetary status is controversial. Um, Nevertheless, every planet is in a sign at the exact moment of your birth. And then there's also um, a house system. So your rising sign is the sign that's on the eastern horizon at the exact moment of your birth. And the rising sign changes every two hours. So you do actually need to know the time of your birth to be able to get that accurate. And then based on your rising sign, 
each of your astrological houses, and there are 12, I believe, yes, there are 12, are then assigned to a sign. And all of these things make up your natal chart, and it tells you a lot more information than just like, oh, you're a Taurus, so like you like food and sex and home and warmth, and you're lazy. Like, you know what I mean? I'm a Taurus son, by the way. Um, and it's like certainly not like the horoscopes in the back of magazines and shit like that. There's a lot more science to it. And I think like I used to be, I mean, I used to love astrology because I thought it was fun and because I was like obsessed with boys, and so I'd like always like look up. <laughs> compatibility charts and like shit like that but I also was like mm, this just doesn't seem true to me like when I'd read you know my horoscope in the back of a magazine I was like as much as I want this to be true I just like have a lot of skepticism here but if you go into your whole chart you'll see a lot more resonance and I really you know, I really do, for the most part, believe in astrology. But there's this part of astrology, astrocartography, where it takes your natal chart and it basically maps it over a map of the world. And based on like where there are lines for different planets, I guess. Yeah. And like b based on where those lines fall on your, tr on your, um, <laughs> on the map, it'll like tell you where beneficial areas are for you and where not so beneficial areas are for you, yada, yada. And, you know, I learned about this a few years ago. It seemed super interesting. I was like, oh my God, I need, like, need to go to my Venus line to meet a man's. And then like my friend who is an astrocartography astro reader told me like, oh no, actually like look to your Jupiter line. And everyone says like Jupiter line is the best, which I just want to say Jupiter's always been my favorite planet. So I'm so happy that I was able to pick right because this was well before I ever knew about astrology. I just thought Jupiter was sick. I really liked that it had all those moons. I, I really liked the aesthetics of it, the coloring. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, okay, so <laughs> Jupiter is like supposed to be the, the best line. And uh, in episode 96, I talk about it. I went to Bentonville, Arkansas, which was exceptionally close to my Jupiter line. And I was just expecting to have all the all of the like abundance and magic and anything you can imagine in the world. I thought I was just I mean, I've heard of people being like, I went to my Jupiter line and I just like felt more alive than I've ever felt. And I just I've never felt so good and I've never had so much flow and like you know, people talk about like launching businesses from your Jupiter line or like whatever, doing shit like that because you get more prosperity, you get more abundance, you get more attention, yada, yada. I, again, I talk about this in episode 96. I go to essentially very close to my Jupiter line. And I was like, I quite literally feel no different than I felt all the other times in my life. So I'm starting to think astrocartography might be bullshit. Okay, so whatever, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I went to Miami. Ozzy was there for work. He was on location and it was, you know, coming off of two months of him traveling nonstop. We were together. Uh, well, we went to two weddings together. So we were together then. We were together at home for like three days out of two months. The only time I saw him were those two weddings, basically. And he was traveling for work the rest of the time. And when he travels for work, like he's on location for something, they work between 12 to 20 hours a day. Like it's insane. 
right? So Miami was like the last of this streak for him. And he was like, do you think maybe you could come down to Miami when I'm finishing up on this project and we'll stay in Miami an extra few days and just like fucking like hang out with each other and enjoy sunshine? And I was like, yeah, I can totally make that work. So, you know, um, I organize things with the podcast, et cetera, so that I can take a few days down in Miami. I get my dog situated, et cetera. Now I have known since I've known about astrocartography that my, my Pluto line goes directly through Miami. So I've always had this thing in my head that I would hate Miami. On top of that, I just like kind of thought I would hate Miami because when I think of Miami, I think of like South Beach clubbing. And when I think of clubbing, and I really hope I don't offend anyone, I just want to throw out there, I'm 34. The first time I went to a club, I was 14. That was 20 years ago. I clubbed a lot in high school. I clubbed a lot in college. Like I, and I, cl- I did a lot of clubbing after college when I moved back to DC. I'm tired. I don't want to be at the club anymore. <laughs> so I'm not judging anyone who's into clubbing. In fact, I'm jealous. I wish I had the stamina and the energy. It's just not for me anymore. Like I'm old. I am tired. I just want to be at home. <laughs> Anyway, um, and like maybe maybe there's a bit of depression, who knows? There's definitely a lot of introversion. But again, like I just, I've done it all. So like I, would I have loved Miami when I was 16, 18, 19, 20? Sure. But at this point in my life, I just like I really thought I would hate it. Again, in part because of like what I associated with Miami and in part because I knew that my Pluto line ran right through Miami. Oh, and I forgot to mention Pluto is supposed to be the really bad one, like the really hard one. Like people who live on their Pluto lines just go through hardship after hardship after hardship after hardship. And like, yes, sometimes it can help them grow. I mean, it does help you grow, but like it's supposed to be a really hard place to be. And like I've heard from people who've gone to their Pluto line that they felt like really uncomfortable and really icky. And so I was kind of like, oh, okay, I don't know how this is going to go. Like I was very trepidatious. Now, obviously, one thing that helped was the fact that I went to my Jupiter line and I felt no different. And so I, you know, I was kind of like, I already think astrocartography is bullshit, but this was going to be the real test. I can now tell you with full certainty, and I'm so sorry for anyone who I offend, I think astrocartography is absolute bullshit. I felt better on my Pluto line than I did my Jupiter line, which like uh, that in and of itself, I wouldn't say is anything. It's just, I don't think there's any correlation. I think I felt good because I was in sunshine. I got to play in the ocean all day. Like I don't think astrocartography is real. Like I just cannot find any basis for it being real. Um, And in conclusion, I really liked Miami. I'm dying to go back. I didn't even explore much because I was just kind of playing in the water the entire time. I did get really sunburned and it's 100% my own fault. I just want to be abundantly clear about that. I was very lax on sunscreen. I only put a bit on my face and like not very vigilantly, vigilantly because in my head I was like, it's November in the United States. Why would I get sunburned? And I have to say, I never got sunburned as a kid because like, you know, I'm brown and, um, 
I was talking about it with my mom and I was like, I think my skin has gotten more sensitive as I've gotten older. And she's like, no, I don't think that's it. I think the sun has gotten worse because the hole in the ozone keeps ripping basically. So yeah, I don't know what it is, but um, just a little PSA that if you're somewhat close to the equator, you still got to wear a sunscreen. I've been peeling. I think it's the worst sunburn I've ever had. I'm still peeling. It was like two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, in conclusion, I loved Miami. I can't wait to go back. If there are any listeners from Miami, will you please DM me? And also, um, I am really a very firm believer that astrocartography is absolute bullshit. Okay, moving right along. Um, something I've been doing for the past week. I was going to tell you guys last episode that I was planning on starting this, but... I didn't because, um, again, I was trying to save time, but now I've started doing it and I think it's fun. So I, every morning start, and it's not always right in the morning because like a girl has shit to do, but at some point in the earlier half of the day, I make a celery, lemon, ginger, and cayenne juice for me and Ozzy and we drink it and I've really been enjoying it. Now, um, number one, you don't need a juicer to make juice. I've actually been doing it in the blender and then I've been using a fine mesh strainer or a sieve. Thank you to those of you who DM'd me the last time I said that word and I pronounced it a sieve (laughs) and told me that I was pronouncing it wrong. It's pronounced sieve like shiv from succession. So, um, yeah, you just blend it with water and then strain it and then it's a juice. Now people, you know, have long heralded celery juice. Oh my God. Did I pronounce that word right? That is a word I've never heard out loud. I've only read. Okay. Let me know. Um, but celery is very rich in minerals and I guess the The idea behind it, like the quote unquote science behind it, is that if you have celery juice rather than just eating a stalk of celery, because celery is also super, super rich in fiber. And what fiber does is that it slows digestion of nutrients into our bodies, into our system. And that's a really nice thing for like a high sugar fruit, something like watermelon or a date, because they're just like packed with sugar. The fiber within that fruit slows the digestion so that all of the sugar doesn't hit your bloodstream right away and you don't get all these like insulin spikes, yada, yada, that affect everything. So, but the thing is celery has very little sugar. The amount of sugar that it has is in really nice ratio with all of the other minerals that it's super rich in. So the idea is you strip the fiber via juicing, whether it's, you know, my popo method or you have a real juicer or whatever. I'm just saying you don't need to buy a juicer. You can totally do this. Um, So it strips the fiber and then all of those nutrients kind of hit you faster. Now, why does it need to hit you faster? I don't know. But I think one thing that happens is you absorb all of them more because your body doesn't have to go through the effort of like working through the fiber, yada, yada. And like with the fiber, some of it binds and then passes through your system. So people, I mean, people have like said celery juices like straight up save their lives. Do I think it's that extreme? No, I don't think so. 
But I just, I've been thinking for a while that I'd like to get us to start doing it. And I fucking love doing those like ginger shots. Do I think they do much for you? Probably not. And then lemon water definitely gets my bowels going. And like, who doesn't like a touch of cayenne, right? So I've been doing this every day for us. And then the other day at the market, I got some fresh turmeric. So for a few days, I've done like fresh turmeric and black pepper also. A little hint, if you ever take turmeric for like health benefits, always combine it with black pepper because black pepper increases the absorption of turmeric by 2000%. So it it would be dumb to not do it, right? Anyway, um, but like the base is really celery, lemon, ginger, and cayenne. I've been loving it. If you want to do it along with me, I think I'm going to increase the amount of celery we're having because I think it's like not quite enough, the amount I've been doing for us. But I do feel more hydrated than I have in a long time. So I really want to stick with this habit. And it's like on an empty stomach. So the idea is to have it before you have any other food. If you want to do this along with me, please do it. Okay, I'm going to skip some other stuff I was thinking of talking about so that I can get to shit quicker. Another thing I would have liked to have talked about last week was I got in a fight with my parents. (laughs) And um, I have a lot to say about this fight that I think is important. So I'm not going to get into the details of it, not because I don't want to share them, but because they're not that interesting. Although I almost, you know what, fuck it, I will get into the details of it. Only just to make the whole story okay, make so sense. So my dad's birthday was in August. He's a Leo. Shock, surprise. Why do I say that? No one knows my dad. Anyway, let's just move right along. And right before his birthday, we always freak out for his birthday because he's impossible to shop for. Impossible. Like truly, I'm I'm stopping. Mark my word, I'm just gonna stop trying. That is my new modality. <laughs> of handling my dad for presents. He just, he doesn't like anything. It's so difficult. Anyway, right before that, my friend who has a, like a menswear slash bespoke tailor shop was having an event at a store and there was this jacket there and I was like, oh, I think my dad might like this. And I took a photo of it and sent it to my mom. Note, it was like a nighttime event with alcohol. I was hammered, which I do think is relevant to the story. And so I sent a picture to my mom. She was like, I think you would love it. And so I'm like, great, I'm going to buy this for him. Great, we got his birthday covered. I'm going to have it shipped directly to him. Everything's going to work out beautifully. And it didn't have a price tag on it, which like a word of caution (laughs) If you have to ask what the price is, you can't afford it. And I should have known this. And I, but I was drunk. I had been drinking. And I just want to point out that this item was not bespoke. So, like, I know, like, if you go to like a bespoke tailor, you can't return things, you know? That goes without saying, because like they made it for you. But this item was not bespoke. So never in a million years did I think that there could be a situation in which I could not return the item. So I have it sent to my dad when it comes to pay the price. I was like, oh, holy shit. That is, that is so much. It's like tenfold more than I wanted to spend on my dad. But I had been drinking and I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just do it. I would have never done it if I was sober. Whatever. I have it sent to him. 
And my dad, when he first gets it, is like, oh my God, I love it. Like I can tell it's so well made, the quality, yada, yada, all those things are true. But he tries it on and it's like very big for him. And the more he sits with it, and this is over the course of, we're talking like 12, 24 hours. He's like, you know what? It's so big in the shoulders. He's like, can I change it for a smaller size? And I was like, that's the smallest size. And so we're like kind of talking about it. And I was like, listen, if it doesn't fit in the shoulders, that's something that's near impossible for a tailor to fix. Like a tailor can take a hem up, no problem. A tailor can take a sleeve up, no problem. Like all those things, a non-issue. A tailor can take something in, no problem. I've even had a tailor like take the crotch up on something because I'm very short. So something that people might not know about me. In fact, it's something I'm so insecure about because like I often have people when they tell me when they meet me be like, oh, my God, I never thought you'd be this short. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. I'm not off myself because I'm so insecure about this. So like, please know I'm very short. Anyway, I've had the tailor take a crotch up. It's not an easy thing to do. It can be done. But for a tailor to take shoulders in, it's exceptionally rare that it looks good. And so I am like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just like return it. It's so expensive. Like it's just not worth all this hassle. So I start looking into how to return it. I'm making the story way longer than it should be because this isn't what it's about. Long story short, there's no return policy. I reach out to my friend and I'm like, yo, like this is the situation. And like, you can tell he doesn't want to take it back, but also like you have to disclose if you don't take returns, like that is the law. And I believe, (laughs) and, um, and so finally he's like, you know what, just for you, because we are friends, like sure, I'll take it back. And like, I was feeling really icky about this whole thing because like we are friends. I was very drunk. He didn't say there's no return policy and it was very, 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 very expensive. Like it was not, it was very expensive. Like I can't overemphasize how expensive it was. I just think like if something is that expensive and like it's your friend and she's drunk, like you should be exceptionally clear that there's no return policy. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be honest, like I felt kind of taken advantage of. Now, was that maybe my own shit? Sure, whatever. So he's like, I'll take it back. But like right now I'm in the process of moving and like moving locations of the store and we're shutting down this store. So like I'll get back to you with a return address. Just hang on to it for now. And I was like, okay. And it really seemed like he was trying to skirt out of it. And I'd reached out to him a couple of times and he's like, oh, you know, not done with the move yet, blah, blah, Um. Um, you know, and I just like, I was like, Oh God, I just have a feeling he's like trying to not take this back. So my dad had been out of town and last week he gets back into town and we're talking and he's like, Oh, by the way, I saw the coat was still in the closet. And Oh, this was by the way, the day I got back from Miami, I just landed. I was taking my dog out to pee and I was super, super, super hungry, which is relevant to the story. I hadn't eaten anything yet. I literally was just taking my dog out and then going to go back and like make food and eat. So I'm super, super hungry, relevant to the story. And my dad's like, yeah, I noticed the coat was still in the closet. And, um, uh, you know, like, you know, why hasn't it been returned? Blah, blah. And I was like, listen, I've been reaching out to him. He hasn't given me a dress. Like it's, it's 
like the number one thing that I'm anxious about in life. Because like on top of like, it's an exceptionally large amount of money. I also like kind of feel wronged by my friend. And I, I like, I can see his side of it too. I really can like, but at the same, like, I don't know. Am I crazy for saying like it was so expensive? Nowhere in the store did it say they don't take returns. Like it's not it's not standard policy to not take returns. So like there's no reason to assume that. Again, if it were like actually a bespoke item, of course I would know. That would be a different situation, but this wasn't bespoke. There's no reason to think it wouldn't be taken back, in my opinion. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. And I was really drunk. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I really kind of felt like fucked over and I felt like he was like trying to skirt out of taking it back. And so it was a sensitive subject for me. On top of that, I was really fucking hungry. And so I was like, listen, I am trying my fucking hardest. It's something I have exceptional anxiety over. Like I'm trying to get it returned. Like I'm doing everything that I can. And then my dad gets angry because my dad just has like anger issues. And he's like, why are you getting angry? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like yelling at me. And he's like kind of like making these like snide remarks in the background when my mom is talking to me and I like full on lost it. And here's my thing. This is what I said to them at the beginning. I was like, I'm allowed to get angry when I feel like my boundaries are violated. And I feel like kind of my boundaries were violated by this guy. I really do feel like that. Like, I don't like, again, like maybe I'm wrong. Like DM me if you disagree with me, but like I did feel taken advantage of. It's a very frustrating situation for me. Like I could use that fucking money. Like I don't have, it's a large amount of money guys. Like I, I, you know, anyway, And so it's not like I was mad at them. It's not like I was angry at them. And it just, the reason I address this, number one is like, we have this thing in society and I know I've talked about this recently, but I don't think it's talked about enough. So like, I'm going to talk about it again, where we demonize anger as this like negative thing and like people shouldn't be angry, but that's actually incorrect. Like you're supposed to be angry when your boundaries are violated. It is the normal rational response to your boundaries being violated. Like telling someone to not be angry when they have every right to be angry is like telling someone to not be thirsty when they haven't had like food or water in 24 hours. You're supposed to be thirsty. Like your body is functioning correctly if you feel thirst and just telling someone like, oh, don't be thirsty. Like, what does that do? Like, bitch, I am thirsty. You know what I mean? Like, same situation here. We are allowed to be angry. Like, I don't know why this emotion came to be demonized. Actually, I do know why this emotion came to be demonized because I think oftentimes and oftentimes with men specifically, men resort to anger over the other emotions that they're feeling. So it's very common for men who are like depressed, sad, etc. Like these emotions that society has not deemed acceptable for men to experience. So men get angry instead because anger is a very charged kind of emotion. It makes you feel like you have power. It, you know, like, 
feeling sad, feeling hurt, those emotions are really vulnerable. And they're kind of like, I think a lot of men think that they're effeminate. And so instead they get angry. And the real problem is when you take your anger out on people and become abusive towards other people. And what I think is really ironic is the people who are most triggered by other people being angry are the people who've been the most abusive to others through their anger. And my dad is one of those people, love him to death, a very nice man, but like exceptionally angry when we were growing up. And, uh, you know, he, he's been very abusive to many people as the result of like his out of control anger that he could not control. Okay, that was, I understand. I just said that twice, but I meant like his exceptionally <laughs> tremendous and volume anger that he quite literally had no control over. So it makes sense that he's like so triggered by anyone else having a healthy amount of anger. Like, I don't think my anger in that situation was unhealthy. And then he's like sitting in the background saying all of these like, I couldn't like fully hear him, but I know his things. Like he just has like certain go-tos that it's like, Ugh, like fuck me for even bringing this up and it's like certain go-tos and I was like oh so the instant someone shows a bit of human emotion in a situation you resort to your go-tos absolutely not and I was like listen I'm not going to talk to you guys if you're going to behave like this and so there's a few takeaways from the story number one People are allowed to be angry and telling people not to be angry when they have every right to be angry and the situation where you have every right to be angry is when your boundaries are violated. You are allowed to be angry when your boundaries are violated and if someone tells you to not be angry in that situation, that's toxic behavior and everyone who's ever said like, oh my God, don't be so angry or try to like vilify someone like, ooh, you're so angry. Ooh, you sound so angry like Lisa Rinna to, Denise it's toxic so don't do it and if someone does it to you disengage and that brings me to my next point people often ask me like how do you deal with your parents like it sounds like there was a lot of trauma growing up how do you have a good relationship with them now the the way that I do it is by having boundaries the instant they do something where like because I know I know what I can talk to my parents about and I know what I can't and I think that's a really important skill to have with not a skill but like an important thing to assess with every relationship that you have like how conscious are these people and how much are they able to show up for, understand, like not everyone understands everything. Not everyone is inquisitive and interested in their own learning and growth. So like, like, like my parents can't participate in certain conversations. So they just don't get it. It goes over their heads. So as soon as it gets to, and I think a lot of it is like denial and like extreme shame. Nevertheless, as soon as it gets to the point where like, I, you know, I know it's starting to get toxic and I know they don't get it. I just disengage with them. It's just, it's the way that I have boundaries. And the third lesson here is like, don't engage in things when you are hangry, like when you're tired, when you're hungry, et cetera. Like those just are not the right times to have conversations because like, was I easier to snap in this situation because I was so hungry? Yes, absolutely. I can own that it's fine. I don't think it, you know what I mean? Like, it's fine. Like, you know, could I have been a little bit calmer in the situation? Yes. I still think I had every right to be upset, but that's neither here nor there. 
Okay, let's move right along. Um, Quick bit of pop culture news. Adele has come out and said that we've been pronouncing her name wrong this entire time. In fact, I I just said it wrong. I don't even know what the correct pronunciation is. It's a subtle difference. It's a subtle difference. So um, yeah, it's like a a deal. I don't know. It's it's very British. I don't know how to do it right. But she said that we've been pronouncing her name wrong all along. And when this happened, it lit up something inside of me because people for many, 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 many years of my life and actually still today pronounce my name wrong. And I want to talk about this because I've I don't know that I've ever really talked about it on the podcast. Okay, so my name is Hiva. Now, I was born in Germany, and in German, W's are pronounced like V's. So think like we call it BMW in the U.S. It's actually BMW in Germany. And so my name is spelled H-I-W-A. And when I moved to the U.S., People had an exceptionally difficult time. We just never changed the spelling because it's like really hard to do. We weren't citizens. We had green cards. Like it's just not like it wasn't the right time to be changing spellings of names. And so I go to school and I'm like, I'm Hiva. And people are like, mm, no, that's not going to work for me. So <laughs> eventually I just kind of gave up on people saying my name right. And people started calling me Hiva. And this stuck up until literally up until I started the podcast it like it just it got to be this I don't like it just everyone I like I'd introduce myself as Hiwa because I it was so like everyone knew me as Hiwa so I was like well I'm not gonna like it it, it just it's this the most awkward thing right when like people start like it's have you ever had someone call you by the wrong name and you just like don't correct them because like you couldn't in the situation or whatever and then it just sticks anyway so it just stuck 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 until I was starting the podcast and I was like I'm not gonna pronounce my own name wrong on my own podcast but it was something that I like I would cringe over all the time. And it was like this big secret that I was harboring that everyone's been saying my name wrong. And honestly, I think anyone who's like foreign, like not American in America can relate to what I'm talking about. So anyway, I really related to Adele and I just wanted to correct it. And I do want to point out that I'm still not saying her name right. I just don't remember what it is. But that is, if you've ever wondered like, oh, I hear her say Hiva, but like I see it spelled with a W. Or if you're someone who I've been friends with for many years and you're like, is she saying Hiva? Because like, I swear I called her Hiva. <laughs> That's the story there. So the correct is Hiva. A lot of my friends still call me Hiva. Do I love it? No, but they do. So, <laughs> and I can't get mad because like they called me that for so many years. So it's like kind of weird to now be like, oh, actually you've been saying it wrong for years or I don't know, maybe it's not. Who knows? Anyway, let's move right along. Okay. My TV recommendations for the week. I honestly don't have a lot. I'm wrapping up, um, how to get away with murder. I'm on the last season and you know, at the speed that I've been going, I'll probably be done with it by next week for sure. I mean, like, I think I'll be done with it by like fucking tomorrow at this rate. Oh, speaking of which, by the way, tonight, there's another Showfields event. It's at six from six to 8 PM at Showfields in New York on Lafayette Street. Um, come through if you're around. Um, I know it says sold out online, but you can come. So please come if you're around. It'll be super fun. My friend Alyssa Alter, who's been on the podcast, is going to be there with me. 
can't wait. Like I want to meet more of you guys in real life. So, you know, if you're around the New York city area, please come anyway. Um, <laughs> been finishing how to get away with murder. I'm going to be done with it. Um, now I think I might start watching bachelor in paradise and specifically because someone on TikTok was like, oh, there's a lot of like attachment style stuff playing out in this season of Bachelor in Paradise. Now, I've never watched Bachelor, Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise, and that's actually untrue. <laughs> Um, when I was in college, like 12 million years ago, I did watch like a season or two of The Bachelor when it was on, like when other people in the house that I lived in were watching it, I'd watch it. Um, there was like the first season of The Bachelorette, I think we watched, but like that was so fucking long ago. I haven't watched it since then. Like I'm not in the bachelor world at all. I mean, some of the really famous people I know, like Tyler C, I know who Tyler C is, you know, but, um, yeah, don't really watch that shit, but I think I might start watching bachelor in paradise and I might start talking about it on this show. If I do in fact find that there is a lot of like psychological takeaways because I love doing shit like that. I've been wanting to watch Love Island. Should I watch Love Island? Should I watch Love is Blind? I just don't think I can do it. I don't know. I watched like a episode of or two of the first season of Love is Blind and I just... I, it's just not my thing as much as I watch Bravo, like even housewives, I have a hard time getting through sometimes like the other Bravo shows, though, like the below decks and the Vanderpump rules of it all fucking love those. Speaking of reality, I really want to rewatch Laguna beach and listen to, um, Steven and Kristen Cavallari's rewatch podcast. Okay. So that's really all I have for TV Moving right along, I really want to talk about this concept called invisible work. Now, if you're not familiar with this term, it was coined by a sociologist named Arlene Kaplan Daniels in the 1980s, and invisible work refers to forms of unpaid labor performed by women that is integral to the functioning of society, but is not noticed culturally and economically. So examples of this are housework, child rearing, volunteer work, but guess what? It also happens in office scenarios. So think of like who cleans the shared spaces, like who's cleaning the inside of the microwave, who's organizing your office parties. Personally, in my first job out of college, I worked for a conservative think tank, which honestly one day I will write memoirs about because so much trauma from that part of my life. Um, but like I organized all of the parties that we had, both like the formal ones, like there was like a Christmas party that like my, I had been there for a few months and it fell on my shoulders to plan this shit. Or like the informal ones, I would always organize like getting drinks after work, shit like that. I organized getting cakes and cookies and shit like that for people's birthdays. And I just want to point out that like it was at that job that my eating disorder got really, really out of hand. And like I wouldn't even eat. Nevertheless, I was the one organizing this shit. 
I filled in the most often out of anyone else for like assistants who took off, like the assistant of the, like the president of the organization, et cetera. Like when those people took off, I would fill in like automatically. I would be tapped to be in like fucking random ass like subcommittees and new projects that had quite literally nothing to do with my actual job. And I wasn't being paid extra for it. Like these are just my personal examples, but think about it. Like women do so much work that is just expected of women to do. And frankly, like members of traditionally marginalized groups are more likely to do this type of undervalued work and be burdened by it. Often it happens just because like there is an assumption that women are better at it or enjoy it, right? Like just think about like your households, like how you grew up was your mom doing more shit or was your dad doing more shit like let's be honest and like let's be honest men are applauded when they do anything women aren't even noticed for it like I remember telling my mom that Ozzy does the dishes all the time and she's like oh my god like (laughs) wow like that is so impressive yada yada and I'm like shouldn't it be the norm Shouldn't it be the fucking norm? But it's not. There's this concept of invisible work and like more work falls on women's shoulders versus men. Women are just as expected to do these certain things. And anytime a man does any of these things, they get praise. They might get raises. Like they get like applauded for doing shit that like if a woman does it, it's not even noticed. It's not even fucking noticed. Anyway, why am I talking about this? Really no reason other than to um, raise awareness. Now, one thing I do want to say is I think a side effect of this is the best inventions tend to come from having personal need and personal experiences. And a lot of inventions in our society are actually invented by women. I have a long list of some of them. Um, Wow, this episode is really dragging on. Okay, so I'm just going to rattle off the list of the ones that I thought were more interesting. These aren't like this is not an exclusive list of all inventions invented by women. It's just the ones that I thought were interesting. Liquid paper, that's also called whiteout. Um, Cupcake holders, ice cream maker, the first computer algorithm, dishwasher, globes, life rafts. Um, fire escapes, ironing boards, car heaters, medical syringes, the first Monopoly game, coffee filters, electric fridges, like the refrigerator, uh, electric hot water heaters, airplane mufflers. Don't actually really know what that is, but it sounds important. Central heating, the foot pedal trash can, you know, the one where you step and the lid goes up, um, a disposable diaper. Women used to use reusable diapers. My mom used that for her first couple of kids. By the way, her first one died in case you're wondering, I only have one sibling, not (laughs) neither here nor there. Antifungal cream, computer software, waterproof leather protection, bulletproof fiber, Space rocket propulsion system. Don't know what that is. It sounds important. Home security system. Caller ID. Call waiting. 
photo enhancement laser cataract surgery. Those are just the ones that I enjoyed, but a lot of fucking inventions are invented by women. And I think it's because we are hands-on doing all this shit. So like, of course, we're going to notice that we need this shit because we're the ones doing it. We're the ones who need it. That is a nice side effect. But I just, I want everyone to remember. And I want like, if you're dating a man, like, please get them to start researching invisible work because like them helping out with household chores is not enough. That's the bare minimum. Anyway, um, just a little tidbit here. Also, only 10% of U.S. patent holders are women, although women account for half of doctoral degrees in science and engineering. This disparity is due in part to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office being more likely to reject patents with women as sole applicants. So that's pretty fucked up. Something to know, something to hold. I mean, write letters to USPTO to change shit. Um, One thing I do want to say, if you're someone who's like listening to this shit and you're like, wait, I have an idea, like whether it's like something that would be patented or just like an idea of a business, like you do something in your day to day and you're like, wow, it would be so much easier if this existed, but it doesn't exist. There is a new section coming to the Decentering Romance course that will help you better refine like your skills, your interests, your hobbies, the things that you're good at and what the world needs so that you can come up with new ideas also. So just plugging that, it's not out yet, but it will be out. But speaking of like household chores, et cetera, so I mentioned my boyfriend, Ozzy, also, if it's your first time listening to the podcast, I call him Ozzy. Um, he, that's not his name. He just is Australian. So, um, Ozzy really does a lot around the house. He really does. Like credit where credit's due. He does all the dishes. I almost never do a dish. He helps with the dog and she's frankly my dog. He does a lot more cleaning than I do, but like, I also do all of the cooking, but that's like really not because of like gender roles or anything like that. It's really just because I do like food styling and recipe development work. And so I'm always like doing shit in the kitchen anyway. So like, we've got to eat it. That's where that comes from. But I do have a lot of like, I guess like trauma, we'll call it around watching my parents growing up and watching like my dad not helping my mom at all. So it's always been something that I've said in terms of like my future partner. I want my future partner to be a literal partner. Like I want someone who, you know, is going to share in the duties of life with me because like I'm not out here being like an indentured servant to my husband. Like that's not what's about to happen. And I think a lot of us have played that role in our relationships. And like, I'm not here to say what's right or what's wrong or what you should and shouldn't do. I just know it's something I've been super sensitive towards and And something that I really didn't want. And so like a lot of the time I have an expectation of him to go above and beyond to just like acquiesce that fear in me. Anyway, so um, a couple days ago over the weekend, um, I was like feeling kind of some kind of way towards Ozzy. And so I was like talking to him about it and I was kind of like listing and we're walking to the basketball courts to go shoot hoops, Uh, which is, by the way, a really nice time to have a conversation, not that specific scenario, but having a conversation while walking is really helpful. Studies show that men 
have an easier time engaging in difficult conversations when they're side by side and not face to face with the person that they're conversing with. So like being on a walk and having a difficult conversation is actually a really nice time, just like a little pro tip for the people out there who are dating men. So we're talking, I'm kind of like listing the things like what had triggered it was like the day before he was like, hey, we're out of trash bags. And I was like, okay. So like, (laughs) okay. And I just like, okay. At the time, like in my head, I was like, oh, okay. So like what I'm supposed to go buy it. Like the automatic expectation is that I'm supposed to go buy it. Like you can buy it also, you know, but like it's bringing up all these other things and they're all kind of petty and not important, but I'm just kind of like listing things. And I'm like, you know, it's not one specific thing. It's just, it's how it's making me feel. And like, and he's like, well, I thought that you, cause he moved into my place. I just want to point out. So he's like, I thought that you had like things automatically scheduled to come. So that's why like, I, like, I didn't think it was a big deal, yada, yada. Um, and, and I get his side, like it really, it wasn't a very big deal at all, but this is what I want to get to. When we got to the courts, we're about to start shooting hoops and like we're kind of done with this conversation. And then like, you know, we had come to a resolution. He's like, of course, I'll be more mindful of things, yada, yada. And then I said this thing that like clicked everything together. And like we had been done. I was like, wait, one last thing on the subject. And I like honestly started tearing up when I said it. I was like, do you think I'm like such a loser? And that's why you think you can like not pull your weight in the relationship. And I like, I was like tearing up as I said it. And I know it sounds silly, but, and he was like, oh my God, no, what are you talking about? Blah, blah. And I realized beneath all of the things that I was complaining about wasn't like, oh, you're not pulling your fair share or anything like that. It was like, that's not what it was about. It was ultimately... I have this deep insecurity of like not being cool and feeling like I'm a loser. And so anything that other people do, I'm constantly looking to like subconsciously reaffirm this view of myself as a loser. So like if someone cancels plans with me, I'm not just like, oh, they just like whatever are tired or have other things going on. My brain is like, no, it's because I'm a loser and they don't want to see me. And like same with Ozzy. It's like, oh, he is like he doesn't take initiative to buy trash bags. It's because in his mind, we have an equal exchange because he dates me, even though I'm such a loser. And so I have to overgive in this situation because I'm such a loser. Like ultimately, my ultimate fear is that I'm such a loser. And I guess what I'm looking for is like for his actions to go above and beyond to prove to me that I'm not a loser. But like no amount of him doing anything would prove to me that I'm not a loser because that actually comes from within. And like really the only way to go about it is to like, neutralize the trauma that suggests to me that I'm a loser, which all comes from school. And I was thinking about it. Like, I remember in middle school, I was like, oh my God, like I need to date a guy who like has a six pack or I need to date a guy who's this, or I need to date a guy who's that. Because ultimately in my head, I was like, well, if that type of guy would be into me, then 
I'm obviously cool and not a loser because that type of guy would only be into cool girls. But then another thing that happened as I got older is like, well, if I overperform in these situations and make myself indispensable, then this person will love me. And then like, I won't be a loser because this person will love me. Right. Like it all comes down to that one core wound. And the thing is like, the only thing in life that sustains that is real is like things that are intrinsically validated. So no amount of like anyone else loving me will ever prove to me that I'm not a loser. I need to intrinsically feel like I'm not a loser. You know what I mean? And for that to happen, I have to get rid of like the childhood trauma where like I was bullied, I was teased, I didn't feel cool, yada, yada. And if you want like ways to do that, you can look at my courses because they kind of what happens in my course is it takes you into like a theta state where you can implant new beliefs. Like your brain is a lot more malleable. Your subconscious mind is more forward. And so in that kind of brainwave state, when you visualize things, when you think things, yada, yada, it creates new neural pathways. Anyway, my takeaway here is if you are upset at something someone did or said, I want you to ask yourself, what do you think this person's words slash actions imply about you? What message did you receive about yourself from this person's words or actions? And then ask yourself, did they actually imply that or are you creating a story where there is none? So like, let's unpack my situation, right? We ran out of trash bags or we're about to run out of trash bags. We haven't actually run out of trash bags yet. And this is reminding me that I haven't gotten trash bags. I don't know if he's going to get trash. We'll see what happens with this one. We're running out of trash bags, right? And he's like, hey, we have like two more trash bags left. And I was like, cool. And like the implication was like, hey, we have two more trash bags left. So like next time you go grocery shopping or whatever, pick up trash bags. Oh, and here's the other thing. Like I do a lot of the grocery shopping because... I know how to pick produce better. (laughs) And a lot of the grocery shopping are for like recipes that I'm developing professionally, things like that. So like, I know what we need better than he knows what we need. So like, it, it just makes sense for me to do it. And I guess in my head, I was like, well, but like trash bags aren't that complicated. Like you can buy a fucking trash bag. You're not like some kind of imbecile who was just born yesterday. You know how to buy a fucking trash bag. Like, sure, do I want to be the one picking up the tomatoes? Of course. But like, you know how to buy a trash bag. Anyway, <laughs> so we're just going to unpack my situation, right? So we're running out of trash bags. He tells me, I received the message that you're the one who's going to go get the trash bag. Now, beyond that, I'm like getting upset. So I'm like, okay, why am I getting upset? Because like the expectation is on me to buy the trash bag, just like with invisible work that I was just talking about. Like it just like a lot of shit falls on women and like men don't do their equal part. So there's that. But then beneath that, I'm like, well, why is it? That he, because he's like extremely feminist, like he's like a really good, like he really is like, I have more internalized misogyny than he does, I would say. So I'm like, okay, like what's really going on here? And it's to me, it's like, oh, he's not going above and beyond for me 
by like picking up trash bags, which isn't even above and beyond. It's just normal fair share, but whatever. Okay. I'll rephrase that. To me, it's like, oh, he feels like he can slack in our relationship because I'm such a loser. And the fact that he's dating me is like kind enough. So like he can slack off because like I'm such a loser. Like really what the message that I receive is like he doesn't automatically go and buy trash bags. Therefore, he's telling me that I'm a loser. Now, do I think he's actually sending that message? No, probably not. And like he explained it quite nicely. He thought I had Amazon subscriptions to things. He thought like these things were already automated. He didn't know what trash bags to buy, which I was like, well, you could ask. And he's like, no, you're you're completely right. By the way, when I did talk to him about this, at no point was he defensive. He just was like, this is what was going on in my head. But like, I'm happy to do it. I had no idea that this upset you. Nevertheless, what really upset me truly was like this implication in my mind that I'm a loser, which I was taking from his actions. Now, I want to give like a second example. Let's say you're dating someone and it's in the early stages and he always waits until the very last second to schedule a date with you. Like a day of, he's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Want to get a drink? Now, you've told him that when he does that, it makes you feel unvalued and you've asked him to like schedule dates ahead of time. He said he would. He doesn't change anything. So like what feeling is it bringing to you? You might feel like his actions imply that he doesn't care about your feelings. And in this case, I would say you might be correct because you've literally told this person that it bothers you when he waits until last second to schedule dates. He said that he would change it and he doesn't change it, right? So like, I think you would have every right in thinking that. But let's tweak the situation a little bit. Let's say you hadn't talked to him first, right? Like he just waits until last second to schedule dates with you all the time. And to you, it makes you feel like he doesn't actually really give a shit about you. If you haven't communicated this to him, I don't know that you could take away that he doesn't give a shit about you. And I'll give like counter examples. I do really well at like last minute plans. I don't do great at ahead of time plans. It doesn't mean that I don't care. It's just kind of how I am as a person. So like, like I think there are different situations and Ultimately, I think two things can be true at the same time. Like, I do think it's wrong of Ozzy to not just be taking initiative and buying trash bags. I understand why he wasn't. I really do understand why he wasn't. Nevertheless, like, I think, like, he could, you know, take initiatives with things like that. And he could always ask me what type of trash bags to buy. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, and I even brought this up to him. It's this concept of invisible work. Women are poor pulling more than their fair share and not getting recognition for it. So I do think that that's something that he should change. Like he really should change. But even though like his behavior, let's just call it like objectively wrong in this situation, the reason that it bothered me is completely different. The reason that it bothered me ultimately is because I was taking this message from the situation that like, I'm such a loser and I'm like not worthy of someone like doing nice things for like like doing the bare minimum for whatever you want to call it. So I think two things can be true 
one time, their behavior can be wrong. And the reason that their behavior bothers you can be something completely different. So I guess what I'm getting at here is like, I think that you can grow and heal and learn so much as a person by being really inquisitive, by really like looking internal all the time. And don't let the fact that you're justified in being upset get in the way of your own healing. Like, for example, with my parents, right? I think I was justified at being upset at that guy. Again, I think that's up for debate. Maybe not. Like, I'd be curious to hear what people think, whatever. But I do think of like I'm justified in like being upset about losing that much money and like kind of feeling taken advantage of by a friend. But at the same time, I can look internally and see like two things. Number one, like I was engaging in a conversation where I didn't have the physical space for that conversation because I was super, super hungry and just like, you know, didn't have like the nervous system strength to engage in that conversation. And also it was bringing up a lot of childhood trauma about my dad's anger, yada, yada. So like Despite the fact that I think I was justified in being upset, like I can still look internal and see where is there room for my own growth and my own healing. And I want to encourage you, even though like maybe you're justified in being upset because like this guy is doing this or doing that or whatever, nevertheless, look internal and be like, okay, like even though I'm justified in being upset, what is this bringing up for me? What is at the root of this? Like, what message am I receiving? And is that message correct? Because if that message isn't correct, you can still be upset by their actions, but you can also do a deeper internal level of healing. So in conclusion, I just want to encourage everyone to look at the root cause of why you're upset and address that root cause. And even if there's something on top of it, like, yes, I'm telling Ozzy, like he should be more proactive with this stuff. Nevertheless, I'm going to address the root cause of like me subconsciously thinking that I'm a loser, that I'm not cool and interpreting everyone else's actions as being a just, as being like a reinforcement of that notion when it's not, it has nothing to do with that. He's just an idiot. You just didn't think, you know what I mean? We have all grown up in households where we see women pull more than the fair share of weight. And we think that's the norm. By the way, I'm painting him out to be such a misogynist and he really isn't. Nevertheless, no matter what excuse he had, I still think he's objectively wrong in this situation. But I do think that the situation points out something that I need to heal internally because there is no amount of anything that Ozzy could do that would erase this internal feeling that I have that I'm a loser and I'm not cool and that's on me to fix and it's only going to be on me to fix. So anyway, I hope this made sense. I've been yammering for long enough. Um, you know the drill, rate, review, subscribe. If you took anything from this episode, please share it with someone who you think would. Um, please, please, please leave a review. It's just, it's like if you eat out at a restaurant, you tip your waitress. Guess what? You can tip me for free. You can just go into the app, tap a little five stars, write a line or two. It takes a few seconds for you. It makes a huge, huge, huge difference for me. Okay. Love you guys. Talk next week.